Hey everyone, what's up? I'm Ryan Kramer and welcome to another episode of Crossover Commerce. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is my corner of the internet where I bring the best and brightest in the Amazon and e-commerce space. What does that mean to you, the listener? Well, if you're new to the podcast, this is where I bring on people and experts in the Amazon and e-commerce space who have walked the walk and they're talking the talk. So those are people who are thought leaders, service providers, sellers, um, businesses who are helping others grow their uh, grow their own business. Um, it can be a starter. Uh, you can be a starter and get a lot of information for this, or you can be an expert international expansion company looking to uh, dominate the next marketplace. This is going to be a podcast for you. Get valuable information that you can apply today towards your business, but also just understand what's going on in the world. Um, I call it social listening. There's a lot going on in the Amazon and the e-commerce world uh, around us. That you, There's no place that you can possibly learn everything. Maybe here. Uh, but a lot of my guests are always bringing on great insights, great tactics and information. We're just having a general and uh, natural conversation. So if you're new, um, this is a live podcast. So if you're listening on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube or Twitter, welcome. We would appreciate you guys tuning in for a little bit. Again, uh, we know everyone as an entrepreneur is busy in their work. So if you're tuning into this for a little bit of time, we appreciate you spending time again, my corner of the internet, as I like to call it, uh, with my with my friends of the show, as I like to say as well. Um, but if you have some questions or if you want to ask, a, uh, you know, want to uh, pick our brain uh, for myself or our guest or guest, if we have multiple guests on every podcast, feel free to put so in the comment section below. It's really easy to do. If you're watching live, just type it in your question. Say hello, where you're listening from, um, what questions you might have about our topics, um, about something just for clarification. The world is your oyster. So we like to make sure we, we get people's engagement as well. If that's um, as if that's up to you, uh, or if you're just a passive listener, you're listening to this on your favorite podcast destination, downloading it on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you might listen to your podcast. This is the this is the podcast that we appreciate you downloading and uh, being an active listener for us. This is episode 244 of my corner of of my show, so uh, we have a lot of great content out there. So first and foremost, want to get it out of the way before we get into the weed of weeds of it. Uh, thank you, Ping Pong Payments, uh, sponsor, presenting sponsor of this podcast. Ping Pong is helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. You know the drill. If it's saving time, money, and effort that you're looking for, especially in a world where prices are skyrocketing. I don't know about, about you guys, but I live in Indiana, and uh, gas prices, I think, were up to or $4.20, something crazy like that, uh, the other day. I work from home, so I don't travel as much. But if you're a person who's traveling around or you're getting pinched in your business, uh, you know, prices for containers going up, goods, um, materials, even uh, people are uh, be getting more expensive. If you're looking for ways to put more money back to your bottom line, especially in a world where margins are super thin and e-commerce, you want to make sure that you're saving money where you can. And if it's paying out suppliers, manufacturers, distributors, VAs, whomever in terms of international commerce, uh, make sure you check out ping pong payments and sign up for free today. Make sure you put more money back to your bottom line and save all the headache for going to uh, your local bank and making those international transfers. It's free to use. Just go to usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast. And it's free to sign up. Like I said, just mentioned crossover commerce um, for all of our past episodes. And uh, if you're listening to it today, just mention the episode and they'll make sure they pass it on to me as well. Enough about me, enough about ping pong, uh, which we love ping pong, but 
I uh, <laughs> I start every show with uh, me saying, you know, an introduction of every guest. And sometimes I feel like I get myself into uh, a trouble on social media. I'm not sure if you guys feel the same way. If you make a comment, you, you go back and forth with people. Someone you may not know, someone you might know, you unfriend each other and no one's the wiser or no one, no one cares and people walk away. However, there's a few uh, special gems in the world I consider um, people who you know, back up what they say. And I actually appreciate it. Um, people where I engage with, um, I'm, I love thought leaders. I love to engage and, you know, tell them my point of view, or if I just listen and think that they're posting something that's very valuable, insightful, um, helpful to a community. I also make recognition of that too, but, um, be careful out there. I will say there's a warning. If, uh, if you poke the bear, um, don't <laughs> make sure you follow up with that. So, um, I invited, uh, this guest actually on today, um, jokingly on a post with a podcast of good content out there. And um, here we are today. He he was awesome enough to come on. I'm really curious about his business. And obviously, it fits this podcast really well. We're going to be talking about cross-border retail and the future of e-commerce today. His name is Levi Reed, and he's with Unimart. Levi, I'm going to go bring you in. Thank you so much for hopping on Crossover Commerce today, man. Oh, I'm going to unmute you real quick. Unless There you go. Oh, there you go. Thanks, Ryan. Super cool to be here. Really appreciate the invite. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that story did it justice. Of it was a, it was a joking matter, but hey, social media putting people together uh, in yeah in one room, virtual room now, um, where we can talk about thought leadership and where we're seeing in e-commerce. So I'm super uh, exciting that people are engaging with each yeah. other, and here we are today. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool space. A lot of developments happening. I, I've been here for about in in e-commerce for about six years now, and. Okay. Even just the past two years, the changes have been enormous. Well, Isn't especially the past two years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's really been wild. So you said two years. Uh, so first of all, uh, where are you located, and um, you know what got you into e-commerce? I'm really curious about the backstory here. Yeah. So as far as what got me into it, well, it's kind of the same story. Um, so I, I did my MBA in about uh, six and a half years ago in, at Asade in Barcelona, um, and I was fortunate enough to to land an internship with Amazon while I was there. Um, interned with Amazon in Luxembourg. And uh, I, I don't know if you've been to Luxembourg. It's a really beautiful place in the summer. It is not the most exciting place in the winter. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, um, a sum, it's a summer country, not a, very not much a so. winter country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And great benefits if you've got, you know, a family and everything. But I, I don't have kids personally. Um, and uh, I really I really decided at that point I wanted to move back to the States. So I, I argued with Amazon a little bit and got them to move my offer back to the U.S. So I moved out here to Seattle, where I still am. Um, okay joined the company full-time for just under five years. Um, and then after leaving, uh, I'm, I'm fully remote now as well, uh, work from home, but um, the I, I love this area. So my partner and I decided to stay put here. That's amazing. Well, hey, congrats on starting a new business, but you got with Amazon Thanks. directly. So what yeah. what were you doing before Amazon? Like you said, you you're you're interning or there was some sort of, uh, you know, Amazon's not just something you can just walk in and you're like, you apply yeah. their hiring like every day. I mean, they still are now, but you, right. you can't just get a white collar job without some sort of background experience. What was that before? Um, yeah. Amazon? So prior to Amazon, I had about, let me think, about four, four or five years of professional experience, I think, before my MBA. Um, so I, I actually uh, got my, well, my, my first job was actually uh, in the wine industry. Um, really? So right, right out of college. So I graduated into the middle of the, the 2008 recession, um, which, which I don't recommend. It's a very bad idea. <laughs> that um, time. 
exactly. Yeah, really bad timing, as it turned out. I, I should have I should have stayed in academia for another year or two, but just take on those student loans, man. What what's another couple hundred? Right. Thousand, yeah, I I got out and I went. Wait, what's what's a master's degree I can do? I need to get back in. But <laughs> exactly. Um. So you know, did did the, did the rounds, some food service, cafe work, stuff like that, which I, I'm really glad I did. Honestly, I, I think working in food service for a little bit, even just as an amateur is, is it gives you such a great perspective on work and, and respect for people in, you know, some of those very challenging kinds of jobs in retail and, and in food service. But um, I, I love hiring folks from those industries now, honestly, because, you know, people, the, the kinds of people you find who have kind of cut their teeth in that space are just another caliber, honestly. They put up um, with a lot of crap, to be honest. Yeah. Like, that's what but, I always say is they, yes. they deal with a lot. They deal with a lot. So the, the tolerance is very high, but you often find folks who are just so good at really elegantly handling, you know, interpersonal conflict, difficult situations. Um, it's it's really impressive. Uh, school teachers are, are another group. There's, there's a lot of teachers I've noticed moving into tech right now. And it's just this this wealth of, of skills. And, and often I think they're overlooked by larger companies because some of these larger companies are really just looking for profiles that fit a box. Mm-hmm. And someone coming from an education background frequently doesn't. But I tell you what, you want the best customer success manager you've ever hired, look for a school teacher, seriously. Yeah, um, they, they know what's educator. important. I was going to say, they know what's important and what what actually needs to be dealt with instead of, mm-hmm. uh, oh, you're just venting to me. Like, you don't need something like me bent over backwards. Like, you're, you're just venting. Yeah. And that, that's kind of You know what, how to deal with a temper tantrum, right? <laughs> what, what happens when you have a seven-year-old is you get to deal, like, you get to hear the back and forth all the time of like, hey, he's having a great oh, day. Bad. Or he's like, oh, he's on another level today. And then you're like, oh. Well, if they're really <laughs> elevating to that, it's almost like uh, business or customer success. Like if I'm the manager, I'm like, crap, there must be something wrong in the warehouse or supply chain. Something's like off if they're bringing that to my attention. So I would agree yeah. with that. Um, I think it's really funny. You mentioned that people need experience, but don't have the experience. Is that is that something we were talking about too? Of like, hey, you need yeah. like three years of experience in tech, but no one has that if you're looking for entry level position. Something right. along those lines. And you always see those, those funny posts. I saw one... Um... I'm forgetting the technology now. Some it was some job posting asking for you know ten years of experience with this particular uh, uh, cloud technology, and the, the the creator or inventor of this technology posted that he wouldn't qualify for the job since he only invented it six years before. Exactly. Um, yeah, you, you see that a fair bit. I mean, I've seen it in marketing as well. You see people uh, saying, "Oh, I must have ten years of experience in you know whatever the latest marketing trend is," and you go, "Well, you know that term was just coined three years ago, so I don't know how you're." No one knows that. That just happened that. this year, exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Well, which is kind yeah. of, and to your point, how you mentioned it moves so quickly in this industry. My head's on a swivel. I'm sure like yours yeah. of being in Amazon. What did you do at Amazon, by the way? Like we never kind of, you were. Yeah, um, sorry. Interrupted myself. No, you're fine. No, you're so fine. just to wrap up the, the the first question. So after after doing the wine industry for a little bit, um, you know, very cool role, but sadly not, not a living wage. Um, and so I ended up moving into government, local government for a few years. While there, I did a master's um, in communications at a local university uh, in, in my hometown. So I'm, I'm originally from upstate New York, uh, same city as Cornell University, actually, although that's not nice. where I did my master's, to be clear. Um, so uh, the, coming out of that, I had a, a, another internship with a local web design, graphic design agency. I'm still friends with just wonderful, wonderful people there. Um, and that sort of blossomed into my own marketing practice. They were super supportive. I, my, my sort of services were really complimentary to theirs, and they really helped stand me up and make it into a business. Um, I did that for a year or two, uh, supporting a lot of small to medium businesses, startups. Had a couple of projects with Cornell University, actually, which is pretty cool. Um, and, a, and a distillery in the area, which might have been my favorite one. Um, 
but what started happening is I had all these clients who would just start to, to just uh, treat me as like a consultant. They had all of these questions about how to grow their business and how to interact with their customers. And we were branching off into topics where I just did not have expertise and I really wanted to. Um, and just looking at the kinds of you know roles I was interested in, the kinds of career I was looking at, I realized international experience was probably going to be really important. Um, so I decided MBA program, looked at Western Europe primarily just because I figured that was international, but not so international that it'd be scary and alien. Speak the language, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, more or less. <laughs> more or less, yeah. But uh, so like any good MBA, I made a spreadsheet, had my pros and cons. Um, I was very lucky. I applied to three schools, got into all three, and then ended up going with Asade because they've got very strong entrepreneurship bent. And I just love the culture of the program. Just really friendly, don't take themselves too seriously, very collaboratively oriented. Um, and I looking back, think I absolutely made the right choice. It's a fantastic program. Um, and then, yeah, so I interned with Amazon and then moved over full-time. So at Amazon, I, I actually went through a number of roles. Um, I think a lot of people know this now, but but at least in the tech industry, but Amazon really encourages uh, uh, moving around pretty frequently. Um, and so I, I think, you know, to your question about kind of what got me in the door, I, I think it was the entrepreneurship experience, to be honest, having my own practice. Uh, a lot of the interviewers really focused on that. And then, you know, after several years at the company doing interviews myself, I started to understand how highly that's prized within the company. Um, so I, I strongly suspect that's what tipped the scales for me, but we'll never know. Um, but, uh, you know, most of the roles that I was in, most of the functions I was in were around product marketing, doing a lot of go to market. I was the first marketing hire for Amazon Lending, so to the the fintech point Pretty you were cool. mentioning earlier, yeah, that was that was fun. Uh, I have a strong interest, if not aptitude, for fintech, so <laughs> it was a fun uh, fun experience. Um, my longest stint was running go to market, uh, leading the product marketing side of go to market for um, uh, Echo devices on the platform. Uh, that was a really fun role, great organization, um, and just really cool to see how a huge organization thinks about going to market from a marketing point of view and, you know, how we, how we interface across the different functional areas. Um, it's also one of the very few teams at Amazon that actually has a dedicated UX team and an entire creative and design org fully assigned to it. Um, and as a marketer, that just feels like an almost impossible luxury after a couple of years exactly. at Amazon, just kind of figuring it out yourself. Well, well, with that, in that context too, I read the book Working Backwards most recently, mm. and uh, it kind of gave a really cool insight on on the development of, it was a completely different mind shift of, instead of building out the marketplace ecosystem, building out product ecosystem, which is completely different in that uh, yeah. capacity of, yeah. hey, you're dealing with different entities, like it, you own it, like what are you investing in, not make it feel cheap, all these different capacities. And like you said, yeah. with Echo devices, they're con technology to an, to an extent, you know, it can outlast or it's, it's constantly evolving. So you want something that will last a while, but also have space where it's, you know, you can upgrade or you can, you know, yeah. download new uh, software instead of just new hardware, things like that. Where yeah. With the Kindle, like um, how, how that came out about, it was years upon years of uh, research because iPads were coming out, everything along those lines. And then it was the phone. Uh, Gosh, I'm gonna blank on this. Oh, it was like the, the fire, fire phone. Phone, not the, the fire phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that was a and that was a big like whiff because it was very mm -hmm. expensive and and whatnot. So, it, working in the product world at Amazon, completely different, I can imagine than yeah. marketplaces and support and things like that. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, a lot of the folks, the the most successful folks, especially in marketing spaces, uh, in in the devices organization, were actually coming from the consumer organization. Um, right. In fact, there were there were a couple of roles in particular that were really over like former former roles that were really overrepresented in devices, and it was just because of having that site merchandising experience and having 
close expertise with kind of the, the, the guts of the, uh, the Amazon software on the back end for, for, you know, um, managing detail pages and managing the customer experience. And some of these were, are, are the same experience that a seller might have as they're building out their detail page and others are, are kind of unique to, uh, to, to, to the company. Um, none of them are user-friendly. So having folks who, who are already familiar with them and know all the weird little tricks and workarounds and whatnot can be super helpful. But one of the really cool things about that role, honestly, was a lot of the different, um, well, maybe I shouldn't say a lot, but there are many different, um, you know, features and functions and widgets and whatnot on detail pages that are available to everyone that were originally invented within devices, tested and optimized there, tried out on a product. And when we saw that, hey, this actually works, it drives sales, it creates a better customer experience, they were productized and rolled out to the entire company. Um, and so kind of being at that that forefront and, and actually being one of the people getting to make the decision about, you know, whether we build this feature or that feature and why and how it looks and what the user experience is like, that's a very cool experience. And it's it's really you know, as a marketer, you know, cutting my teeth is basically a copywriter when I first got started, getting to see work I've done up on, as one of my managers called it, some of the most valuable digital real estate in existence is uh, a little overwhelming, to be honest with you. Very cool experience. Well, would that be, would that be insane? You, I mean, you probably had your hand in so many different cool projects and, yeah. and, and different things that, that you probably still see today that shaped even future growth on Amazon, which is really, yeah. really cool to see. I know um, in the space on the outside world, a lot of people, you know, are constantly fighting, trying to get like notoriety or try to get into it for people to say like, Hey, listen to us. We're trying to help you having that back and forth between everything. Um, but while you're there, you're kind of like in this really cool position of learn, um, know the guts of everything. And then what made you change to say like, Hey, now is my time to kind of like spread my wings, do something else. Like what, yeah. what intrigued you or what, what like say, I'd never want to do that again. Maybe let's pivot and go to a different direction. What, what was that yeah. kind of moment for you? Well, you know, at, at Amazon. So I actually, I had just moved a few months prior when, when I left, I just moved for a few months prior into a role with Amazon Launchpad, which, which supports startups. Um, sure. And, and leading partnerships there to, to drive new benefits for the startup. So kind of a dream job in a way, because my, my job is literally to talk to the startups, figure out what they needed, and then go find other teams within Amazon or companies outside of Amazon and say, who offer those services and say, hey, do you want to partner to deliver you know, resources to our, our sellers here? So, so that was a lot of fun. I was in that role for only about eight months, but I actually had a, another company reach out to me with what looked like a, a really incredible sort of an entrepreneurship role. So kind of starting a new business venture within an existing company. Um, and, you know, th this really was something I've been working towards for quite some time. Uh, but it's, I think, a testament to how great the Launchpad team is that I still agonized over the decision. Um, ultimately, I decided to take it. But uh, I'll tell you, if I ever go back to Amazon, Launchpad's my first destination. That It is a great team. Really, really good team. Yeah, um, I, I'm connected with a couple of people in the Launchpad ecosystem, oh, and go, just going through, uh, just going through, not just the pitch deck, but uh, I know from a seller's perspective, it's kind of like a, hey, uh, what pros and cons? It's really cool to have access to it, obviously, um, yeah. and the trade offs are are good for some businesses and other ones. You yeah, know, maybe not make sense, but it's a really cool program. I think um, in, in terms so of like all the bells and whistles that it gets a hold of. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a big believer. You know, I really have selected my positions based on, you know, as a marketer, being able to promote products and services that I genuinely believe in. Um, and that was something that really appealed to me about, about Launchpad. 
Um, so I moved over to this other role and I won't go into it in a ton of detail. Unfortunately, it, it didn't really work out. And just because the, the initiative that the company had, had kind of sold me on to launch, they, they didn't, they weren't actually, uh, uh aligned on doing. Gotcha. Um, and so after a few months, which, which to be fair is a very, very common story in this kind of situation, you know, you could throw a, throw a rock and, and hit an MBA has gone through it. I feel like, um, so, you know, not, not a big deal, but uh, kind of a disappointing experience. But coming through to the end of that, I'd gotten to this place where I said, you know, I really want to make the jump for real. I've, I've been a, a director for the Founder Institute here in Seattle for, for several years, um, done a little investing and just tried to be as involved in the startup community as I possibly could. I, I've known for a very long time, that's kind of the arc that I wanted to bend my career towards. Um, and right around that time, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's a, a really wonderful recruiter in the e-commerce space, uh, Lisa Hines is her name. Um, and, and she just kind of told me a little bit about her experience trying to place candidates in startups if they'd spent more than about four or five years at a, a large tech company and how it, it can actually get surprisingly challenging because a lot of the startups at this point, they don't want to pay the kind of salary that a more senior executive might be looking for. Um, and, you know, at that role or they can't. And, uh, uh, you know, there, there's no real guarantee that your skills are necessarily going to transfer over if you've gotten that specialized working within a large organization. Um, so I kind of synthesized all that input, talked with some friends, talked with some colleagues, uh, put the call out through my own network and ultimately, um, connected with, with Shayek, who's our CEO at, at Unimart. Um, we hit it off really well. I, I thought at the time and, and still think Shayek's a really, really impressive leader. Um, you know, and, and I say that as distinct from a manager, not that he's not a great manager as well, but, uh, you know, that, that, that quality of leadership of being able to drive vision and, and unify people around it and, and kind of give you that confidence that that this can work and this can happen even when you're staring down impossible odds i think it's a very rare quality and it's something i i, I prize a lot um so i decided to join the company so i, I joined unimart as more of what i'm i call a, a late co-founder um the the company had essentially gone through a pretty dramatic overhaul in early 2021 so a few months later i connected with them started working with them informally um as they were going through tech stars in la uh and and just really came to to believe pretty fully in the vision, the team, the product. Um, and so I joined formally in October um, and been here ever since. And basically I'm, I'm leading go-to-market for the U.S. business. Uh, That's so, amazing. Yeah, it's it's been quite an experience. The The company was originally founded in India and then we re-domiciled in 2021 to the U.S. And, and that's right about when I joined. So we're officially a U.S. company now and now focused on building out our U.S. customer base. We've got a pretty substantial customer base throughout Southeast Asia, India, and the Middle East. Some really strong partnerships out there with companies like HSBC and FedEx, which is very exciting. Um, and uh, so now we're, we're really looking to kind of take that international expertise and, and build out here as well. Well, you're speaking to the right audience because everyone here, uh, especially myself, loves talking international and, uh, awesome. and, and brands and how you grow. Again, Amazon, I always want to say this and even point it out, piece of the whole pie. Um, yeah. it, it's a big piece, but it there's there's a lot out there and there's a lot. Yes. You go to your website, there, there's, there's so much more where business can happen. If it's tied to retail, it's tied to yep. different marketplaces. Adding up across the board can be a significant portion of your business. Exactly. And, yeah. And so, that's why we talk about delivering organic growth with Unimark because there's, I mean, there are so many wonderful companies out there that are optimizing paid spend. And sometimes they're really specialized. Sometimes it's really broad, right? There's some that just do PPC on Amazon and some that do any kind of performance marketing for you. Um, you know, and, and I, I talk with folks, for example, uh, PacView, which was founded by ex-Amazon advertising folks. Yep. Um, 
I know so Melissa, I a, and I know the team very yeah, well. Yeah, that's awesome. So Melissa and I never overlapped. I was at Amazon Ads, but I worked on some projects she did afterwards. And then when I found out that you know about Packview and that she was the founder, that was pretty that was pretty cool. Um, but you know, Packview is amazing. Helium Ten, who they're they're part of, is is amazing. You know, you look at some of the statistics these guys are on on what the results these guys are driving. I, it's just phenomenal, right? Um, but the thing is, you know, you, you look at those and there's great resources there for sellers, but there's not really a lot for organic growth. And what we're seeing is this trend towards omni-channel that's been accelerated by the pandemic. As I'm sure you know, we, we're seeing a huge shift towards cross-border and a huge shift towards e-commerce in the overall retail mix. So you've got e-commerce projected to be well over half of all retail within the next few years. You've got cross-border projected to be well over half of all e-commerce within the next few years. Um, and then you have this, this drive towards omnichannel as we're increasingly seeing customers, and these numbers spiked during the pandemic, customers who are saying that they are increasingly likely to look at a product online and buy it in the store, and also that they're increasingly likely to look at a product in the store and buy it online. So you have this kind of cross-experience. And you've got companies like Walmart, for example, that are doing some really cool things in this space and really trying to integrate all of their properties together to make it as seamless as possible, right, across their channels. But the problem that we're still seeing, and Amazon, I think, is very clued into this and driving the next wave with the Buy With Prime launch, but these solutions are all still siloed, right, according, so, you know, Amazon's properties are within the Amazon ecosystem. If you're on Shopify, those resources aren't necessarily going to help you. Yeah. And what sellers are increasingly seeing is that doesn't work for them. You get outside of the U.S. and that that Amazon Shopify duopoly of e-commerce, it's no longer true. If you if you really want to be approaching the largest number of customers, you probably need to be on other marketplaces. Um, but the, the 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 tech stack required to do that, and the level of integrations, and the level of human resources, the the time required to build and maintain something like that is astronomical. And so what we're seeing when we talk to brands is they get around to that one to two million in revenue mark, they start exploring internationally. I'm speaking about US brands specifically. Yeah, of um, they, start to, they start to explore internationally. They may be in Canada, they may be shipping to Australia, New Zealand, but probably don't have a defined presence there. And they may be exploring the UK. And they're going, hey, we wanna look at Southeast Asia. We wanna look at um, uh, Latin America. We wanna move to Germany, the largest e-commerce market in the EU. And we just do not have the resources. We've got 10 people on the team. We can't integrate this. We're already struggling. And that's really the solution that we're trying to deliver is, is a platform that, that makes it very, very simple to accommodate those kinds of challenges and be able to grow organically in a, in a simple, fast, easy, and profitable way. Gotcha. So you saw the gap in how, how to make, make it organic. Is it, would you consider yourself like a service or what, software? What's kind of like the software? Okay. Yeah. Tech, tech platform, it's a software, um, you know, but from a solution perspective, what we're trying to do is, yeah, deliver organic growth. And that's really the goal here. I was going to say organic. So this is apart from like any sort of paid platform, right? We, we exactly. mentioned Packview, different, yeah. different, almost like and that. I, but, I bring those yeah. up because like we play very nicely with those with those folks, right? We can integrate those, those onto our platform. We can unify a seller's data so that they can actually be leveraging a single source of truth for running campaigns like that. We offer some AI functionality over top of that that data aggregation so we can provide, you know, different types of incense, yeah, incense, excuse me, <laughs> insights, um, you know, demand forecasting, things like that, uh, price optimization for new products. We're just kind of looking at it and saying, what, what does a seller need to make moving to a new country, a new channel of sales easy as possible? And let's figure out how we solve that problem. Absolutely. You're, you're speaking to my heart, man. Uh, and this is what, <laughs> what every conversation I have of, they have to bring in a panel of, I feel like, a very similar group of people of there's localization, there's shipping logistics, there's tax and um, either um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of the, um, you know, just tax and compliance and different yeah. GST and VAT and, Absolutely. Um, you know, localization for us is, is finance because we're receiving a different currencies. 
it definitely makes sense of yeah um because in the amazon's ecosystem as you know there's the accs program the amazon currency converter ecosystem mm -hmm. is still very high they don't want to have to deal with like them they're not a bank they don't have to go through right. compliance but um there's solutions out there that you know offset that those kinds of things so finding those the stacks like you said of exactly making sure everything works together yeah uh efficiently and, and so yeah. You've got everything from, you know, the tech stack, you've got the, the try to place. We had one potential customer we were talking to. They're based in Vietnam. They sell both B2B and B2C, um, uh, essentially bi uh, biodegradable uh, disposable flatware. Really cool products, actually. Um, and they, uh, they, they, they said to us in the space of, I, I was taking notes on this, this like customer discovery call while, while Shayek was talking with them. And within the space of about for four or five minutes in describing their situation, they said they, they could not find a single platform that would unify all of their software operations across North America, Europe, and Southeast Asia. And they said the best they could do would be two platforms, in most cases, three, to bring all of those things There's together. There's a missing hole or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. Because you know, it's just one thing can be enough to derail the entire project for a seller, right? If your 3PL can't be integrated, everything else might be fine, but, but that's enough to derail it. But the thing that really stood out to me is in, in those four minutes, they, they use the phrase, it's a nightmare to describe the situation four times. And that, that to me, as a marketer, I look at that and I go, oh, we found a pain point, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're talking about having to overcome, talking about sales and marketing, like I've come from both. Uh, overcoming objections is 100%. This, this is the space where I feel like ping pong has, and I'm sure you guys have as well in the past couple of years, it, it, it's so much of the conversation I hear constantly of, hey, we're thinking about it. It's like, it's like uh, we're, we're going to maybe like entertain the idea of global expansion, but then they're like, oh, I have to deal with different, again, different currencies or different um, localization or translations, or I have to figure out how to get how much inventory into that marketplace. Oh, I also have to have, um, you know, do I have to have a different ecosystem or a dashboard for figuring out, do I have to do paid ads differently? All this stuff is very yeah. like confusing, but yeah, for most entrepreneurs, like you said, SMBs, which I know you guys talked with, um, they're a team of two, three, five, ten. Um exactly. no one can like be an expert in Shopify or in C discount or Mercado Libre or Rakuten. Exactly. And again, we talk with all those people, such amazing platforms. It takes time and effort and you have to be, like I said, an expert, just like you are on Amazon, all those different marketplaces, which is right. the big puzzle everyone's trying to figure out. And that's, and we are as well, right? And it's not a perfect solution, but we right. keep building, we keep improving. And one of the things that we've delivered that I think is really neat, because you, you talk to a lot of these sellers and a lot of the time of those two, three people is taken up literally just going, hey, we're on four platforms. Every time we've got a SKU change, we've got to go update it on every single platform. And so one of the things we've done is, is enable through an API integration, once your platform and your web store is integrated onto our platform, you you integrate the the product listings as well and then you can update those product listings from a single source of truth and the ai will actually automatically update it to match the formatting of whatever marketplace it needs to be pushed to so now instead of up, you know updating however many different marketplaces you're just updating one and often that that can be two or three full-time jobs condensed into one position just like that so we see um and granted, most of our customers right now coming from Southeast Asia, Middle East, India, they're significantly smaller than the kinds of customers that we're talking to in the U.S. Um, so that you know the, the the results are a little uh, a little extreme. But you know we're seeing most of our customers within the first twelve months they double or triple revenues and they reduce their their profit or excuse me they reduce their costs by about twenty to thirty percent. And that's really just because of the efficiencies of aggregating everything and then the supply chain dis uh, uh, cost reductions that we're able to deliver through the platform. That's really cool. Um, 
and then the revenue increases just from being on more channels. Simple as that, right? And, right. and that's the thing, right? It's it's a it's a force multiplier. If you you've got your your paid ads dialed in on Amazon and you're just killing it in the U.S., you know you can get some incremental benefit optimizing further, but you you're going to be experiencing diminishing diminishing marginal returns, right? Now you go and you open up on say another platform in Germany, for example. And you optimize your paid spend there and you mimic the same results. You've just, you know, massively increased the scope of the customers you're able to reach, the revenue that you're able to capture, the, the market that you're present in. Um, you know, and it's just this immediate multiplier. And so that, that's really why I think we see these, these really remarkable numbers. And the main thing blocking people from doing it right now from sellers uh, is, is just the friction, the sheer operational friction of attempting to make this kind of expansion happen. I was going to say that the, the friction is the biggest key. And I, I think yeah. a lot of the components that you're talking about, Levi, is when, when you look at it internationally, again, the, the ease of use is the biggest thing of is it going to effectively like not disrupt my business, how it currently is. And I think people really kind of associate, oh, I have to do exact same thing of whether it's investment in inventory logistics or paid ad spend or anything like that. And all, every single marketplace I go open up to, it's almost like a one-to-one. -one. It's never a uh, piecemeal or a, um, the, they're adding up uh, 5% of my business can come from Canada. 3% can come from Germany. 10% mm -hmm. can come from Australia, whatever it looks like. A lot of people think it's like, Oh, whatever Amazon is, I it will be, I have to double it for it to be worthwhile in my head. I think it's a psychology thing of for yeah. it to be worthwhile. I must, double if not make a significant portion and invest my time into it and i think that's what a lot of people are trying to having difficulty overcome of what is that what what is that what is that notion of making it worthwhile to yeah like invest and kind of learn and grow and again time is sure. everything in this business what do i want to invest in and if it, is it the right play for me so that being said i don't i have these conversations all day long and i love having them what about you guys? Like, who? Are, where are the pain points? Like, where are people coming from, and where they're trying to go to? Like, I guess. Yeah. Are they coming from Amazon, going to somewhere else, or are they coming from oh, Shopify to Amazon? Like, what's what's that roadmap for a lot of people? You see? Yeah. So it's a pretty typical pattern that we see, and obviously there's exceptions for different verticals. You know, if you're sure. making some really high-end artisanal handmade products, you're probably starting on Etsy, and that's just going to be a bit of, of a different, a different journey there. But for the majority that we're talking to, so you know, we 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 have been talking to a lot of companies here in the U.S. that I would say are very roughly anywhere from about one to ten million in revenue right now. Um, a few bigger, a few smaller, but for the most part, we see that companies under about a million in revenue. There are exceptions, but if they're under about a million in revenue, usually our solution isn't necessarily, we're not going to add a ton of value because they're usually not present on enough channels for there to be a huge benefit. Um, if they're planning to expand, it could make sense to onboard with us so they're ready to go earlier, but we're not really talking to them as as, as much. So anyway, sure. one to 10 million roughly. So what we typically see, especially on the earlier end of that, the lower end of that spectrum, you know, fast growing e-commerce companies, often they're, they're seeing a lot of success. They're usually, they've got a shop built on Shopify, their own web store. And then they usually have an Amazon store, which they may or may not have invested heavily in. Um, typically, they're they're selling through the U.S. They may or may not be selling in Mexico, but Canada is definitely a more popular one. Um, usually, if you're closer to the one million mark, they're maybe selling in Canada just by enabling Canadian customers to purchase from the U.S. site and ship Great. over. North, if they're North American remote fulfillment, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Because um, you know, a lot of these folks they've got a warehouse in in New York, so it's very easy to fulfill that way. And in some cases, they'll have a warehouse in Vancouver anyway, um, or or in that area. Um, as they get a little larger, they usually will set up maybe an Amazon.ca presence is pretty common and continue fulfilling from their U.S. Shopify site for Canadian customers. Um, typically, right around that point, so now we're talking about the two to three million mark. They're also fulfilling in Australia, New Zealand. 
Um, but often, again, from a US-based website, they're simply enabling shipping there. Um, as they start to expand, they're going to be looking at Amazon, typically, in Australia and New Zealand. And they're probably going to start to look at Amazon in the UK. Right about this point, it's going to start to set in. And now we're talking about maybe anywhere from two to five million, depending on the growth pattern of the business. And right about this point, they're going to start going, oh, crap, this is this is taking up a lot of time. It's difficult to move forward. And now as we move out of these countries, we're going to have to start thinking about translation. And if we want to start seriously growing our presence in these countries, we need to start looking for 3PLs that can locally fulfill and probably warehousing as well, unless we want to be completely married to the Amazon ecosystem. And many brands don't, and I'm not knocking Amazon here at all, but that diversification is a good idea for a whole bunch of reasons, um, you know, not least of which is just platform risk, right? You don't want an incorrect fraud action against your brand to knock you out for two days and Amazon's everything you've got, right? That's catastrophic. Um, we saw in 2020, don't worry, there, there's a lot oh. of brands and businesses that we saw shut down because they couldn't even get inventory into warehousing right as the pandemic started. Exactly. Uh, if you get shut down and for any reason, uh, yep. one way or another, it, it's catastrophic. And I think a lot of people yeah. reset themselves as I need something as a backup plan or I need exactly. multiple plays in resources. Exactly. Or you even have a situation where you've got a bit of a supply chain disruption and it causes you to lose the buy box, buy box on your product, right? That That alone can be catastrophic. And that's you know, that that's Amazon does not see that as a problem. Understandably, they're focused on the customer. If you can get the same product to them at a better price faster, they're, they're going to highlight you, right? Um, but that's obviously a, a huge problem for, for a brand that's relying heavily on that on that channel. Um, my, my first role with Amazon was as a category merchant manager for 3P and media and, and enforcement was a huge part of what I did. And so a lot of what I had to, to, to see every day was some of my biggest sellers getting incorrectly actioned against for one reason or another, in some cases, hostile action by other sellers purchasing their product and then claiming it was counterfeit or fraudulent to get them blocked for a few days. Um, and, uh, you know, it's heartbreaking. Sometimes you're talking to these businesses, they're doing a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. It's their family business. They're supporting a family on it and they go, oh crap, Amazon just shut me down. And they're too small to get any kind of real attention. Um, so I, I always tell sellers, you know, make sure you're diversified, like be, be on, be on a few different platforms just for your own safety, especially if this isn't just a side project. This is your whole business, you know. Um, I went off on a tangent. I forgot where I was. No, I'm sorry. Those are beautiful tangents, and uh, <laughs> I just want to. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm here listening because you're. It's like I'm. I'm. I have an echo here that it's finally got back into this. Uh, this corner of the internet. Like I said, I, I jokingly say we're shouting as loud as we can that their <laughs> diversification, but also just like smart growth, can happen. A lot of people are trying to find that that next like. Is it Walmart? Maybe it's, maybe it is Walmart, but there's so many different ecosystems. Like if, if I look at my brand and I can say, hey, we, we are a home gift garden ecosystem. Like I pull from my my background. We had 10,000 SKUs and decor items, and we, we kind of did this backwards of retail to e-commerce, and that's where I pull from. Of Hey, we had Garden Flex, Garden Nums. We were in Home Depot. We were in, uh, we were in uh, just... Uh, gift shops around the world we were in sure. all these internationally and then we diversified into licensed goods of uh fanatics and then we were in um you know websites like hsn and qvc uh we, we went on amazon and we started to figure out oh like amazon has its own ecosystem but people were selling as third parties on there because they this is 2016 so a lot of this ecosystem on the e-commerce side of things direct to consumer has has evolved but it's just a piece of the puzzle. And I always constantly say it's it's important to understand that successful brands, and again, I point to an example, I will die on the sale for as long as I have a Zesty Paws, which is a native Amazon brand. If you're not familiar with them, everyone Google them or uh, look them up, the press a release. 
They were acquired for six hundred and fifty plus million dollars wow. um, for a company in uh, in in I want to say China. And the brand they started, uh, Zussi Pros, which is pet products and uh, solutions food, I believe, like some other different stuff. Really great portfolio, great brand. But they started on Amazon, diversified into wholesale. So in retail, they went to uh, Target, they went to PetSmart, um, Walmart, I think, as well. And they also have their own direct-to-consumer website. So all those ecosystems, three pillars of you have marketplace, you have wholesale and retail. And you also have your own directed consumer website. Love it. Yeah. Kind of kind of points to a more than or half a billion dollar brand that yeah. started from one marketplace and that was Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's brilliant, right? And they, they diversify in that way. That's super effective. I mean, we have all of these case studies of brands we've worked with where you know they they they're they're struggling, they're having difficulty, they're under supplier pressure. And then they launch a D2C brand. And they're able to establish that direct relationship with the consumer. They're able to build their own, you know, their brand equity. And uh, it gives them so much more power with suppliers. It gives them another, an entirely separate channel to lean on. It just opens up all kinds of opportunities. But similarly, leaning exclusively on DTC, and I, I think there's been a lot of writing and thought leadership around this in the past few years in particular, um, can be very problematic in and of itself, right? There's, there's a, lot of, a lot of potential problems there. Um, you know, it's very popular to talk about diversity uh, in general these days, um, especially when we're talking about employment. But I think it's important to think about it in terms of your sale, channels of sale. And honestly, for a lot of the same reasons, um, you know, the weaknesses and the strengths complement each other. Um, but that's a big part of what what we're trying to facilitate, essentially, uh, right. is, is to make that to make that easy. Because we really see this. This is this is the wave of the future. Ultimately, I mean, you were mentioning it yourself. People people think about e-commerce and they immediately think, you know, eBay, Amazon, Shopify, right? But you've got platforms like Best Buy, Target. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there was just a big acquisition by American Eagle to build out an e-commerce platform. And what a lot of these, these companies are doing to bolster the supply chain, I mean, um, what a lot of these companies are doing is as they're spinning up these e-commerce stores, they're turning them into marketplaces. They're enabling 3PL sales through these, through these marketplaces. And what I'm seeing is I talk to brands um, you know, for my own podcast, but also through you know, sales for, for Unimart is some of the really the savviest brands that are really focused on on creative growth right now they are exploring organic growth and they're doing it by by taking advantage of these 3pl opportunities they're getting into home depot into target into best buy uh, you know as appropriate to their vertical and they're maximizing their their play in each of these spaces they're testing it out intelligently and then they're optimizing the ones that they decide to invest in um and they're seeing a lot of success from this um which makes a ton of sense honestly you know if you're selling home goods products you're competing with a lot of people on Amazon. You're competing for a lot of traffic, um, but you're you're building a you're building a presence. You're 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 still getting traffic, presumably, and you have a trust element, right? Because you're on Amazon and and people trust the Amazon ecosystem. But then you go to like a Home Depot or something with that product, and you're still part of an established marketplace and a brand that people trust. But you're you've got this way more specialized niche of customers, right? Who are who are there on a different shopping pattern, looking for something different. Your competition is completely different. Um, and, and I just, I think there's, there's, well, I don't need to say, I think, I mean, there's hard data to back this up. There's huge, huge opportunity in, in taking an approach like that and really looking at, at a multi-channel um, strategy. Well, if everyone's listening to this and they're like, well, what's the data to back it up again? E-commerce represents, we, we said it's eventually going to represent half of commerce and retail. Uh, right yeah. now it represents, I think the highest it peaked at was 18% in, in late 2020 Q4, I believe, um, still growing on a trajectory of pretty consistent growth but again yeah. Am when people are like oh amazon represents 40 percent of e-commerce and they look at that in the retail and they don't pick it up it's like 40 percent of that 15 percent. so right. as much as amazon 
takes on, again, maybe it's even larger. Maybe it's 50% now. I think it's been more than half. Uh, it's a pretty consistent. Group. I think so. Yeah, that's but, right. But 50%, we'll call it 50%, 50% of 15% of all of retail. And again, you you have 85% that you're, you need to play with. And again, uh, and I tell this to people who are on Amazon in the United States, we like your stuff. We really do. Um, but we're only 350 million people in the United States market yeah. in terms of seller capacity. Mm-hmm. You have 7 billion people internationally that exactly. again, not everyone can tap into it as much, but you're talking about billions of people versus millions of people. That's a yeah. whole different ball game. Yeah. I think we, we, we did a little bit of, uh, research and and i i think the figure we came up with is that the the global e-commerce market is well put another way the u.s represents around a fifth the global e-commerce market in in dollar value if, if i'm remembering correctly um you know you so like it's a huge opportunity yeah and then if you look outside of the u.s i mean in in the u.s i think it's amazon and shopify collectively represent something like three quarters of all e-commerce um outside of the u.s there's something like 20 percent or less collectively so again you know it, we, we we talk with customers for example you look at uh I've got to look this up because I'm forgetting the name now, but there's, there's a marketplace in Germany that's, it's very big and it's fashion focused. And, uh, I would say C discount, but you said Germany. Uh, that's yeah. France, I believe. So, it's, uh, um, I feel like it begins with an R and, but I'm, I'm just completely blanking on the name now. I need to look it is up. It, but, was it the number one downloaded app in all of e-commerce or in it, all of, uh, mobile? Uh, it downloads? might be, it's got some, it's some like fast fashion like or something like that. It's like something like that. Yeah. Uh, I want to say resolute, but that's not right. Um, I was literally, like, just talking about this with somebody yesterday and I, I need to go Google it and for, cause I've forgotten, but, but the, but the point is like, you know, if you're, you're a, you're a fashion seller who kind of meets that, you know, that, that, uh, uh, vertical, like, like that you, you align with what you're doing and you want to move into Germany, that platform is probably a much better option for you than Amazon in Germany is right. Cause that's just going to be a bigger market of people looking specifically for your kind of product. And obviously, you know, you want to do a competitive analysis and look at your options for performance for, for, you know, performance marketing, paid advertising, that kind of thing. But, broadly just looking at the market size you know so i think one of the things that we we often have to the misconceptions that we often have to kind of overcome at unimart with with sellers is really helping them realize that the the way that the amazon's position in the e-commerce market in the us is not representative of its position in the e-commerce market globally right um that there are huge opportunities outside of the amazon ecosystem don't get me wrong going internationally with amazon as a way to dip your toe in the water and begin to experience the market is a fantastic idea not a bad idea at all but at some point if you're really serious about expansion you really do need to start thinking about organic growth about expanding new new channels and that's going to be even more pressing outside of the us just because that e-commerce market is more fragmented than it is in the us and it's pressing within the us as well absolutely i i did a quick google search as we're talking zalando.de is that, that might be it that might yeah. be it yeah. uh for, for for listener out there according to this uh statista um representing about 2.2.1 billion dollars in e-commerce sales and then it's auto.ee uh, de h&m.com amazon.de so you can even see Amazon in itself. It says e-commerce revenue in millions in U.S. dollars. So Amazon is $633 million, which again, I think equates to second best marketplace on Amazon behind the United States. Um, and then uh, you're talking about $2.1 billion. Uh, and this is just top online stores and fashion segment in Germany in 2020. So there you go. I'm sure that's even grown uh, since yeah. then. So. Those numbers have changed a lot since 2020. I'm sure. I remember talking to a manager at Amazon years ago who was telling me about how successful the market was in Germany. It was one of the first markets Amazon launched. And apparently the the reason believed for this is that uh, 
I, I, I didn't know this, but apparently uh, it's been very common in Germany for decades uh, to have uh, to, to, to order products by mail. And so the customers there were uniquely comfortable with the idea of e-commerce and embraced it very, very quickly. And as a result, the e-commerce market there grew really fast and a lot yeah. of different marketplaces invested Putting were your able to spin into a, a web browser and people feeling comfortable yeah, getting exactly. products that they'd never tried on before. Not a, not a foreign right. concept for all of us and we get used to it after a while. And Exactly. Um, yeah. And they were, they were comfortable with that. And so, you know, it was able to grow there. And it's, it's interesting because something like that creates a positive flywheel, right? You have customers who are willing to engage and therefore companies, international companies like Amazon are willing to invest prioritize it. And it means that you've got this very fertile market for homegrown startups, right? So, you, I mean, as, as you just read off, like that list of, of, of major marketplaces in, in Germany, um, you know, and if you look, a lot of those are older than a lot of the marketplaces in other countries as well, because they, they, they got to start there earlier. And so as a result, customers get more comfortable with e-commerce and it creates this kind of virtuous cycle. And, uh, you know, I, I think we're kind of seeing the same sort of thing with, with omni-channel retail right now on a global scale. You see customers becoming increasingly brand and channel agnostic. So the brands are going, okay, we've got to deliver a great experience across multiple channels and really unite it to be able to attract customers, which causes companies to now invest in solutions for omni-channel retail, or the, the platform providers, I mean. So the brands are now taking more advantage of this. The customers are getting more used to it and expect it even more. And you, you see the same kind of virtuous cycle uh, proliferating. So we we're, we think at Unimart, we think we're we're in the first couple of years of of seeing that, and it's really been accelerated by the by the uh, the pandemic. So we're quite excited for the next couple of years. We think there's going to be a lot of change very quickly. Absolutely. So yeah, Levi, I have only a couple more minutes with you. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, well, I, I would talk to you all day, man. Uh, this is this is <laughs> my this is this is my quote unquote as the kids call it my jam. Um, <laughs> is is uh, I, I I get really excited when I hear other people kind of validating this kind of perch that we we here at ping pong but also myself um kind of this ambassador if you will of like global growth um you sure. said that we, we call this the future of e-commerce so we're, we talked about kind of where we currently stand like oh, there's like this there's really big reset of hey there's a dependency on e-commerce it didn't really it, it stuck for a while in 2021 people it, oh stuff opened up again we saw this dip and a lot of people freaked out um we're seeing issues in supply chain a lot of things are going on for everyone not not just like you know, one segment, it's not just Amazon. Amazon fi yeah. finally saw sales downturn for the first time in forever, but yeah, bounce back in and we don't have time to like kind of look through that, but they're announcing like, Hey, the integrations to like purchase through Amazon um, recently. Yeah. Um, you had alluded to earlier this episode. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about on Friday with one of my uh, one connection or call them friends of the show on this. And he, he's big. He's like, this is just a mask of another program on Amazon. And Look at the data aspect and get access to all these things. So stay tuned if you're interested on that. But yeah, I really am. Thanks for the tip. Yeah. So uh, moving forward, um, I guess future e commerce. What's that vision for you guys? Like, where, where's the opportunity that you guys said, "Hey, this is where we're going to explore. This is how we're going to grow as a company, but also help other people grow." Yeah. Great question. So, I mean, that touches on something. One of the things that really appealed to me about Unimart, you know, coming from, I grew up on a dairy farm. Both of my parents are small business owners, um, and, and you just see like the opportunities available are so different depending on just where in the world you happen to be. And so one of the things I think is really cool about Unimart is we're really trying to equalize those kinds of opportunities, give the same set of resources to businesses wherever they happen to be and enable them to sell wherever they want to. Um, and so that's, that's you know, very exciting kind of on a personal level. But I, I would say our vision really is we want to be at the forefront of this of this change, of this trend and the shift towards omni-channel. What we want to do is, is be one of the leaders here because let's be honest, there's going to be a lot. Um, but we'd like to be one of the leaders who are building out that next uh, that next generation of infrastructure 
right? That starts to see e-commerce um, platforms becoming almost like a, a utility, right? As as sellers, it's it's essentially like the idea of, um, I mean, it's, it's digital real estate, right? It's we're 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 building out the shopping malls and the storefronts, but but somebody needs to figure out how because it's software, how all of these things are going to connect, how they're all going to play together. Because right now the burden to accomplish that is on the brands. The brands have to go and hire a tech team to figure all this out and build their solution, right? And and that's like back in you know the battle days of e-commerce. If you wanted to sell online, you had to figure it out. You had to go build all that stuff yourself and figure out how you were going to deal with it, right? But then you had companies like Amazon pop up and eBay, and then you have, you know, for Marketplace, then you have Shopify come up that says, hey, you want a headless store in a box? Here you go, right? And the next step, really, I think, is going to be, we think, I should say, is going to be um, building out the infrastructure to enable a similar seamless kind of experience for anyone with a product to be able to sell and to be able to do it across whatever channels they want, wherever they want, and really breaking down these kinds of unnecessary technological barriers. And I, I say unnecessary because they're essentially just a reality of where the tech is at. It's not, you know, not not due to any anything deeper than that in most cases. Um, I mean, you have customs and whatnot, but that's easier to get around than you would think and easier to resolve than you, than you might think. It's really the, the technical barrier and the time barrier for maintaining all these different stores that's really the problem for a lot of sellers. Um, and so that's really where we want to be. We want to be kind of leveling that playing field, integrating these different solutions and and being kind of a background player in in, in setting the stage to enable this kind of really seamless cross-border omni-channel commerce. I love that. that. That's really cool to hear. And I, I think I'm, I'm rooting for you guys. And uh, I put it in the comment section again for for uh, those on YouTube and Facebook. Again, check out Unimart. I'm assuming you, if people want to learn more or connect with you, best way to do that, go through Unimart or how, how do you want them to connect with you? Um, go through Unimart, uh, go through, re reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's uh, Levi Reed. Should be pretty easy to find. Um, my my email is levi.reed at unimart.com. Uh, honestly, anything and everything. I have calls with sellers all the time where in the first five minutes we realize Unimart's not the right solution for them. And then we spend the next 40 minutes talking about great Amazon strategy. You know, I love these conversations. There's a reason I'm here. I love talking about this stuff. You could call me up and say, hey, I need advice in my Amazon store. I have no interest in Unimart. Uh, let's have a chat. I don't care. It's <laughs> totally fine. So yeah, like, like like you were saying, Ryan, it's it's just fun to talk about. Like I nerd out about this stuff and my partner's tired of hearing about it. So <laughs> that, that's why they, that's why they brought you on board but hey that, <laughs> someone's got to do it right if not if it's not them it's you so hey it's well thank you so much well hey i like i said i mentioned to everyone that they become friends of the show up there they make an hour with me um this this one flew by for me so i appreciate Likewise. it i think it's super cool super cool what you guys are doing um i'll have to poke more people on linkedin that that poke phone back at me so maybe it'll be as cool as <laughs> probably not as cool as you but hey this is super insightful and, and thoughtful and uh thank you for your time today on crossover Likewise. we'll definitely have to have you on here in the future was new start amazing stuff comes develops you have a podcast too correct you mentioned that as well yeah i so i'm, I'm just about i've got a few backlogged episodes i've been figuring out how to do video video editing to be totally honest that's what's holding things up but yeah so we're, we're calling it the e-commerce expert series there's a couple blogs up on the website i'm going to be actually building out a microsite to house it separately in nice. the near future and uh, yeah first video will be dropping actually a little bit later this week i was i had a wonderful conversation with one of my favorite launchpad brands um they're called sustainable glam so we'll be we'll be dropping that and just talking about their experience how they went from a failed indiegogo campaign to top 25 on amazon which is pretty so impressive cool. by any metric failed um, indiegogo come on guys yeah it was i it's incredible and, and i actually use their products myself it's a big part of why i reached out to them to talk uh, in the cool. first place because i i love their stuff um but yeah super cool brand just kind of did everything the opposite of what you're supposed to do and they're finding crazy success uh which i i think is so neat so it's a really fun conversation because javier just kind of walked me through 
everything he did, his thinking behind it, and how they got to where they're at today. Um, so I'm really excited about that one. Well, we got some other cool ones coming up after. We'll definitely have to check it out. I love I love just good content. Um, I I was fortunate enough to speaking uh, um, a couple different people a uh, podcast that was tagged in today from prosper show um carbon six is another software company really cool yeah. stuff that they're doing but then also um uh isabel ritz of uh, momentum commerce who has a russian based uh Love seller momentum community commerce. i was gonna say so you should reach out to her she is lots of we had her on oh, thank you. Uh, very recently okay. um but there, there's so many cool people on there but again if I know you and I, I'm the big, I, I love connecting people in this capacity and it's all done. Yeah. Through, it starts with uh, the podcast somehow one way, shape or form. People love talking on podcasts, but um, yeah. yeah. Are, you guys, are you guys going to be at events or traveling or anything like that in person? Um, in yeah. It's to be honest with you, our, our CEO Shag does a little bit more of that than I do. So I'd have to check with him. I, I know that we, we were pretty bummed about missing shop talk this year. We just didn't get our act together fast right. enough. So hoping to do that next year for sure. There's one um, in Europe, I think coming up in June. Yeah. Yeah. They've been messaging me about that. Um, we, we are not do. quite at a position where we want to start actively courting uh, the European market just yet. Um, we, we need some more partnerships built out really sure. to be able to deliver a good solution there. So we're really focused on the U S at the moment, but, but yeah, I'm sure we'll have some coming up. I, I don't think we have anything firmly on the docket at the moment though. Well, if, uh, if you guys haven't already check out and follow Unimar, um, follow Levi, I am connect with him. So now I know when he talks, everyone needs to listen. So, Hey man, <laughs> thanks for hopping on today and crossover. Commerce. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, we'll have to have you on again for sure. But, uh, Love to. uh, if you stick there, we'll, we'll catch up a little bit after, um, here if that's cool with you but yeah i uh, sure. just want to wrap up the episode here but thank you so much for hopping on today my pleasure thanks a lot ryan no problem and again thank you guys for hopping on crossover commerce today a couple quick notes as always i uh, just want to mention next week if you're in brooklyn or if in your new york city area uh prosper show is going on the road with the e-commerce co-op i am actually one of the presenting uh table um moderators of this event so if you're talking about different international growth options um i'm one of the facilitators that is going to be there it's may 12th it's going to be at uh technical logistics solutions in new jersey um so if you're there also asgtg is next week as well so if you happen to be there ping pong will have a booth i will be there all week um so if you're in the new york area starting this sunday or i'll say monday because i don't flying in monday night if you're in that area and want to meet up or if you want to talk i'm going to be doing some cool content there um, so definitely check it out or reach out to me on social media. And then also want to make sure we are a, uh, I call it media sponsor of the Mexico trip. If you're trying to figure out a different solution for sourcing in different countries, um, if China's causing issues or if India is, or if, you, if just your current platform is not go to the Mexico trip.com again, they have a replay of, uh, of, you go to the Mexico trip.com for slash webinar, they have a replay of, if you missed it, kind of answering those questions, if you have concerns about it there's a cool event that's coming up here in june if you could go to it in person that's a mastermind group um we are promoting it to help people understand hey there's a lot of options out there as you grow your business and help in different ways with sourcing logistics as well that being said there's a lot of content coming out also have some other stuff from the seller app we're, we're a part of it all so make sure you follow us on social media follow myself on social media for all this cool content that other great companies are coming out with that being said this has been crossover commerce we're coming live tomorrow as well as friday we have lots of great content for episodes total this week you don't want to miss it but if you guys if you don't come back tomorrow uh, make sure you catch another live episode or subscribe and download to us on your favorite podcast destinations if in case you missed an episode that being said we'll catch you guys next time on another episode of crossover commerce take care